Good morning. Ooh. Oh, man. This is so nice. <laughs> so nice to see you all. Um, my name is Tommy. Uh, the opportunity to share with you today. And I just want to pray quick to open up. God, fill this place. Fill this place with your presence. Fill each individual here with your presence, God. Each individual online watching, wherever they are, wherever they sit, wherever they're standing, I pray, God, you would fill them today. And Lord, your message, your message would be heard and received this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So today, I want to talk about two stories. I want to talk about God's story and your story and how the most wonderful stories that happen come at the intersection of those two. That when our stories align with God's story, we live our best lives. We live our best lives and we help fulfill God's plan for our life and reach the world with his love. So when you hear stories of people that put everything on the line to pursue God's mission, these are the best stories, right? These are the stories we love to hear, the stories of big dreams and risks, stories of courage, stories of love. These are the stories that connect people in powerful ways. These are always stories of obedience, going to where God leads us, going down that road sometimes may be difficult. And these stories are always filled with conflict and the unexpected, but Often these stories start with fear and they end in the miraculous. So let's think of your life as a story. The fact that you're sitting here means that your story is not yet finished. I don't care how old you are. If you're still breathing, your story is still happening. And you are the author of your story. You are the author. And you choose the next word, the next paragraph, the next chapter, and so on. Regardless of what life circumstances you find yourself in today, you choose what's next. What you do when you stand up and leave this room or shut your TV off or close your computer is up to you. The title of today's talk is Choosing New Beginnings. And the new year is often a time people choose a new start. You, me, we all have the power to choose what's next, a new beginning. And today, my hope and my encouragement to you is for you to partner with God in what he is doing. God is looking for people who will join him in his story. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to Matthew chapter 9. It says this in verse 35. And Jesus went through all, throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, 
Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. The harvest is plentiful, he says. And what he means by this is that there are so many hurting people in the world. He called them harassed and helpless, and they need to hear about who Jesus is and what he can do and the difference that he makes. And we live in a time right now, in this pandemic, where people are desperately looking for solid ground to put their feet on. People in record numbers have been seeking help for anxiety, including fear, depression, loneliness, isolation, thoughts of self-harm, relationship issues, work-related concerns around job security, working remotely, struggling with work-life balance, work overload, and not to mention worrying about our health. I just coughed. I just sneezed. That person just coughed and sneezed. What's going on? Worried about the health of others, elderly parents, family members that you can't see or have a hard time connecting with on a regular basis. And there's so many staggering statistics. I know I don't need to convince you that this pandemic is causing so much pain in so many different ways. And still, we continue to hold ourselves, we continue to be told to distance ourselves, right? New restrictions. We're not able to see loved ones, not able to hug our friends or our family members that don't live with us. We can't even see the smile on people's faces when we go out to the store. You can see mine right now. (laughs) But I smile at people at the store and I think to myself, they can't see my smile. And maybe they're smiling back or I don't know, maybe not. It's tough. I read a Facebook early in the pandemic, like in early March, when it just, we're learning all about this. And she said, social distancing is my love language. It was the first time I had heard the term social distancing. I had to look it up. And the post was from someone that's an introvert and likes their space and their quiet time. And I chuckled at the time, but now 10 months later with no real kind of end in sight, even introverts who love their alone time are struggling at the effect of forced self-isolation and social distancing. The pain is real and people are hurting more than ever. And the need is great, but the workers are few, Jesus said. But there is hope. God is looking for people to help him love the world, even in a pandemic. And we may need to find new and creative ways to do this, but there is hope because Jesus still sits on the throne. And that's where we come in, you and I. This is where our stories can intersect with God's story. So we need to figure out what God is up to, where he's headed, and we need to get on board. Because in addition to the joy that comes from loving and helping people, The most exciting and fulfilling life we can live is a life that is in sync with God's agenda. So let's get back to God's story here. God's story is really summed up in the Christmas story. I mean, did you think you were really going to get through a Christmas season without hearing a Christmas message from Tommy? Not going to happen. Christmas is over for most, but not for all of us. And I know there are some of you that are right there with me. So, 
let's talk about story. I did a little bit of research for any English teachers out there. Give me some grace here. But there are five main parts to a, to a story, to a good story. There's the plot, there's the setting, there's characters, there's conflict, and there's resolution. The plot. The plot of the Christmas story. God is going to send Jesus to save the world through a virgin. Lots of drama there around that and a little awkward at times. Herod, the king, hears these rumors and sends people out to kill this new king. Mary and Joseph have to travel from their hometown. They can't find the place to have a baby. They find a stable. Jesus is spared, and the world has a savior. That's the plot. The setting, physical place. Mary hears that she's going to have a baby. She's in Nazareth. Joseph is like, okay, we're going to do this. They have to go to Bethlehem. The setting, the place where it happens. There are characters, God, Mary, Joseph, Jesus, shepherds, a couple of goats, a cow. And the world, I think, is also a character in this. There's conflict. There is so much conflict. It's a tumultuous time. Darkness was all around. God's word hadn't been heard for centuries leading up to the birth of Jesus. People at the time were under oppression, Roman rule, religious rule. People were desperate for a savior. And then there's Mary, the virgin. Again, scandalous. How could she be pregnant? This is socially unacceptable. They have to do a hundred mile journey in the last month of her pregnancy. All the while, Herod the king is trying to find Jesus and kill him. But we know the resolution. The resolution is that Jesus survives grows up and saves the world. This is a crazy story. And if you've been to church for a long time, you've heard this story and it just kind of becomes, that's the story. But if you were to read this for the first time, this is a crazy story. And the story can really be summed up in a song and it was just sang for us by the lovely Petra. Oh, holy night. Ben Salisbury is a friend of mine and goes to our church here and he's part of a men's group that I'm in. And he sent an email out um, just before our last men's group. I wasn't able to attend. But he, he put something out there and he said, hey, guys, something I do every year is I listen to O Holy Night. And I, I listen for words and phrases and verses that, that just stand out at me. It's an exercise that he does every year. And he says different years, different things come out. And I thought, that's a cool idea. I was at work. I just go over to YouTube, pull it up, listen to the words. And it was like I listened to the song for the first time. And the story behind the song is actually quite interesting. And I, don't, I didn't know this. Um, and I consider myself someone that knows a lot about Christmas. Um, and it's an, such an interesting story. It was written in France in 1847 by a man named Placide Capot. And he was asked by a clergyman, a priest at the time, who had just finished um, fixing the organ, and he wanted a new song for the Christmas Eve midnight service. So he asked his, his friend, uh, Capot, if he would, if he would write a, a poem. And what's interesting is that Capot didn't really go to church. And um, the clergyman said, here's the Gospel of Luke, write us you know, give me something good. And, and he did, certainly. And it was so good, it was called Cantique de Noel. And it was so good, he wanted to get his friend to put some music to it, a known composer at the time. And this composer was of Jewish descent. 
This composer didn't even believe that the person that Capot was writing about was even the Messiah. And they put together this, this song that was sang on Christmas Eve at, at midnight in 1847. And it was popular right off, right off the bat. I think they had 200 downloads on Spotify, like the first night. It was crazy. And there's a version that we know that we heard today that's sung by John Sullivan Dwight that was um, adapted a few days later. But I want to read to you the original version translated into English. Midnight, Christians, it is the solemn hour when God as man descended unto us to erase the stain of original sin and to end the wrath of his father. The entire world thrills with hope on this night that gives it a savior. People on your knees await your deliverance. Christmas, Christmas, here is the redeemer. Christmas, Christmas, here is the redeemer. The Redeemer has broken every bond. The earth is free and heaven is open. He sees a brother where there was only a slave. Love unites those whom iron had chained. Who will tell him of our gratitude? For all of us, he is born, he suffers and dies. People, stand up, sing of your deliverance. Christmas, Christmas, sing of the Redeemer. Christmas, Christmas, sing of the Redeemer. John 1, 9 and 10 says, The true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and, through the, and though the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. And isn't this still true today? So many people in the world have no clue who Jesus is. They don't know that they can choose him to carry their burdens and provide healing to their mind, their body, and their soul. They don't know that they can choose the peace that he offers in a fear-filled world full of uncertainty. They don't know that they can choose to receive and experience the love that he has for them and choose to share that love with others. And that they can choose to be grateful for this special gift that is free for everyone For God so loved the world that he gave us his only son, Jesus, to save the world. So let's talk about your story. I can't give you all the details of your story. You know your story. But here are a few thoughts that I want to share as you consider your next chapter. The plot. It's your story. Your story has a beginning, it has a middle, it has an end. You're not at the end, just so you know. Again, you're not at the end. Your story is still being written. What will you do next? I encourage you to spend some time with God and ask him, God, what do you want me to do? Some of you will hear something new. Some of you already know what that is. But regardless... Do something. Do something. Consider the gifts and talents that God has given you. Your experience. Consider the dreams that he's planted in your heart. What passions has he given you? How do they align with his story? I also want you to think outside the box. 
Have an open mind as you consider writing your next chapter. God may be calling you to do something completely new, completely different, completely uncomfortable, completely scary, and completely awesome. That's the plot. The setting, yes, the setting is your surroundings, but I want to give you another thought. The setting is you. The setting is me. The setting is our heart. We are the temple of God, and his spirit is residing in us. And your heart and the condition of your heart will lead you. If your heart is aligned with God, then you will go where he calls you. If your heart is aligned with yourself and the world, then you will lead you. But it starts with your heart, and that's what God cares about most. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. That's the setting. And then there are characters. At the end of the day, it's all about people, right? Who are the people in your story? Who are the people God wants to add to your story? It's people who Jesus died for. People are the target. And it starts out of compassion, compassion and love for people, people we know and people we may not even know yet. I think of people like the Kluwers here, our pastor and his family, who felt called to a people in a region that was completely foreign, uprooted their family, left the comforts of their home, moved across the ocean, immersed themselves in a new culture, loving and serving people they didn't previously know, but God did. And they aligned with his story And we are all reaping the blessing and the benefit of that. So why do people do these crazy and outrageous things? Because it is a little crazy. Because when we spend time with God, he reveals his heart and his plan, and he shares with us what he wants us to do, what he wants us to do with his plan, and what he says. Truly connecting with God's heart compels us to action. And our hearts change when we spend time with God. So again, I ask you, who are the characters in your story? Who is it that God is prompting you to reach out to and love in this time, in this next season, in this new beginning? In the book of John, John says that Jesus was the light of the world when he came, our Savior. But Matthew, in Matthew 5, 14, Jesus says while preaching to the people, he says, you are the light of the world Because my spirit is in you, and when they see you, they see me. We are the light of the world. Conflict. There will always be conflict. Every good story has conflict. Even Hallmark movies have conflict. And it's usually about an hour and 35 minutes into the movie. I've watched a few this season. All stories have conflict. Why? I don't know. Because life, because life happens, because there are things that happen, because we're not perfect, and the people around us are not perfect, and mistakes are made, and people get hurt. There are, there's also an enemy, an enemy that's trying to prevent us from accomplishing anything that God is leading us to do. 
Satan is very much okay with Christians who don't connect to God's story. And these dark forces are working hard to stop the advancement of God's kingdom at any cost. But, in Jesus, uh, but Jesus says in John 10.10, 10, as he refers himself to the good shepherd, he also refers to Satan as a thief who, whose only motive is to steal, kill, and destroy. And I will add lie, deceive, confuse, the list goes on, anything to divert you from the task at hand that God has led you to do. So when thinking about connecting to God's story, we can't let fear lead us. When we're fearful, we make excuses, and we need to stop making excuses. This one's from God. This one, I was preparing this, and I felt him say to me, Tommy, and things that I'm working through, Tommy, stop making excuses. And he felt like he wanted me to share that with you because if we are going to do what God has called us to do, we have to be faith-filled and not fear-filled. I feel like the tone of God when he said this was like a parent speaking strongly to a child but motivated by love. And I heard him say, yes, that's exactly right. The motivation from a loving parent who speaks words like this sees the potential in a child, sees the importance of the situation or the task at hand and is urging them to dig deep and give it their very best. Our loving Father in heaven is speaking to us this morning. We need to stop making excuses. Things like, I can't do it, I'm incapable, I'm sick. I'm not worthy of this call. Sin often in our life prevents us from doing the thing that God calls us to do because shame is there and we think there's no way God could use me. I just did this or I had done this in the past. There's a pandemic. I can't do anything now. There's a pandemic going on. I don't have the means to do it. I don't have money. I don't have the resources. It's just not my time yet. And when you read the Bible, it is full of God using, pe- using broken people to fulfill his mission. People who lie, cheat, steal, and even murder. Yet these people yield to God's directives and all the more shows God's power, his love and his compassion for the lost, the helpless and harassed, he said. So we need to remember that if God has called us to do something, he will be with us every step of the way. Before he left and ascended to heaven, his follow, he told his followers, he said, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit, teaching them all the things I've commanded you. And then he said this, and remember, I will be with you every step of the way. We can do it. You can do it with God. He will be with you. And then there's a resolution. And I suppose we will wait and see how our stories will unfold in this next year. I can't wait to hear what God is going to do through us, through you, through our church. I'm excited for 2021. I believe we're on the cusp of a spiritual awakening in our nation coming out of this pandemic. And it starts 
here. It starts in our hearts, and it goes out from there. As a church, we want to support you in your story. We want to hear what's going on in your story and help you in any way we can. So my favorite line from O Holy Night, I'll read the short verse. This is the, this is the American version first, and I'll tell you my favorite line this year, and I'm going to do this again next year. I encourage you to as well. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morning, a new beginning. And the line that stood out to me, there was so many. I, I, was, re- I was watching it and I was like, I was like, oh, Oh, that's good. And write it down. Like, oh. And he kept going. I'm like, oh, that one's standing out to me too. <laughs> I'm writing it down. But when I come back, it was the soul felt its worth. To feel a sense of worth. That's what a hurting person needs to know that they are worth something, they are valuable. Jesus died for all mankind so that they would know his love and feel his worth. Let's do something great in 2021. I want to play this video in closing and I hope you will connect to it, connect to it like I did. trouble now i thought how do we ever get so far down and how's it ever gonna turn around so i turned my eyes to heaven i thought god why don't you do something well i just couldn't bear the thought of people living in poverty children sold into slavery the thought disgusted me so i shook my fist at heaven
says, I'm gonna do something. realize that there might be some people here, some people watching that has never felt worthy, that has never felt the joy of knowing God and the peace that he offers and the love that he gives and the mission that he burdens us with in a good way. And so I would just encourage anybody here that hasn't ever put their faith in God, that it is available that is, that is step number one, to say yes to him. And if you've done that or you want to do that today, come and talk to us, myself. I'd love to talk with you about that. If you're feeling a sense of purposelessness in life, partner with God, align in his story, and you will see some great things. I want to pray for us as we, as we end this morning. God, thank you for sending your son in the Christmas story. It's a crazy story. It's a powerful story, a love story that you have for us, for your people. And so I pray for those that are on the fence about putting their faith in you. They would do it today, God. This last Sunday of 2020, I pray they would do it, God, and know the love and the peace that you offer, God. And for those, the rest of us, Lord, that, that need a renewed sense of, 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 um, of purpose, I pray, God, that you would speak to us. I pray we would find the time to get alone and to, and to listen and to hear. And God, you would give us the courage to do it, that we wouldn't make excuses, that we would say yes to you and to your plan, even if it's crazy, even if it's wild, even if it's uncomfortable, because it is awesome to be living on, on mission and on point with you. 
So I thank you for my friends here today. I thank you for the opportunity to be able to come and share and to see people. And I pray you would be with us this week as we finish out this year. And I pray for a great, great 2021. I thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Have a great week, everybody. God bless.